Many years ago, my dad and I went to a pastor's retreat in Ocean City, Maryland, and on our way home, my truck broke down along the side of the road. We were only about an hour into our trip home, like a five and a half hour trip, and I can remember sitting there alongside the road just kind of feeling somewhat hopeless about the situation because we're too far away to have trip away tow my truck to a mechanic that we knew and that we trusted, too far away from home to just expect our family and friends to come pick us up and, and help us out. And we were at the mercy of the tow truck driver that showed up that day, who, by the way, just happened to have his own garage. He was a mechanic. And I can remember feeling in that moment like, well, he can just do whatever he wants, Right? He, he can take uh, his, uh, our truck to his garage, and he can charge us whatever he wants. He can tell us, well, whatever he wants to tell us is wrong with our truck. and Keep it as long as he wants. We're really at his mercy. You know, he could come back and say, guys, I got real bad news. Yeah, your flabberator valve is shot. And, you know, that, that took your whole regurgitation system and just blew it. We're going to have to replace everything but the steering wheel. Now, those of you who know, know cars know that those are all nonsense words, but if you don't know cars, you know, what I just said, you're like, oh my, that sounds terrible. Have you ever struggled with remaining hopeful when the situation that you're in feels kind of hopeless? Maybe it was when your marriage fell apart, or maybe when you lost your job or you got a tough diagnosis from the doctor and you've really struggled to remain hopeful in that situation that felt very hopeless. Maybe in the past couple of months you have struggled to remain hopeful because it just feels like this situation that we are in is never going to end. That it's just going to keep dragging on and on indefinitely. And maybe some of the things that you have been experiencing over the last couple months, like maybe your retirement income took a big hit, you know, your school, your sports were canceled, your social life has been disrupted, and all of it together just kind of feels hopeless. Well, welcome back to our series that we are calling Pause. We hate to wait, whether it's waiting for the repairman to show up sometime between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m., or waiting on hold on the phone with the insurance company while you're trying to get the, the, the bill figured out. They made some type of mistake on your bill, and you're on the phone for two hours waiting for someone to fix this problem. Or maybe you've been waiting for that engagement ring for years. Whatever it is, we hate to wait and right now, it feels like our lives are on pause, and we're waiting for someone to hit the play button again, and that waiting can be really, really hard. You know, but there's some things, some very valuable things that you and I can learn while we wait, that we can learn while life is on pause. We've talked about in this series, learning how to be still. We talked about how to learn how to listen and today we are going to take one more step in this series and we're going to talk about learning how to hope, learning how to remain hopeful 
when life feels hopeless. This is what I hope that you'll take with you. This is what I hope that you will find helpful from our talk today. It's this. Where you put your hope determines your ability to remain hopeful when life feels hopeless. Where you put your hope determines your ability to remain hopeful when life feels hopeless. I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. I think one of the great things about uh, having church gathered in our homes right now you can never forget your Bible. All you have to do is get up off the couch and go grab it. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to start with you in verse 18. Paul writes this, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. You might have it Translated this way, our present sufferings don't compare to our future hope. And you need to understand that this was written, this letter that Paul wrote was written to a group of Christians in the city of Rome, and they were living at that time under Emperor Nero. And if you don't know much about Emperor Nero, most scholars believe that he was responsible for starting a fire in the city of Rome that burnt most of it to the ground just because he wanted a piece of property to build this palace for himself. And then after the fire, he blamed the Christians for starting the fire, had them rounded up, uh, tortured, executed in, in terrible ways. That was, that was the experience of the Christians living in Rome. And I know things have been frustrating over the last couple of months, but I mean, honestly, compared to the suffering of the Christians that were persecuted when this was written, it's not so bad, right? It's not so bad. And, and when it comes to comparison, Paul says our present sufferings, whether it's the, whatever you're experiencing and certainly the people that he was writing to were suffering. He says, our present sufferings are not worth comparing to our future hope of eternity with Jesus Christ. See, where you put your hope determines your ability to remain hopeful when life feels hopeless. You know, if you think about some of the Old Testament stories that we love, Daniel thrown into the lion's den, I'm sure looked like a hopeless situation. Uh, his three friends that were thrown into the fiery furnace looked like a hopeless situation. Abraham, uh, about ready to sacrifice his, own, his, his son at the request of God, in the moment looked like a hopeless situation. Jonah, uh, going through the depths of the sea in the belly of a big fish, looked like a hopeless situation. The, the open hunting season on the Jewish people that Esther and Mordecai were facing looked like a hopeless situation. The, the life of sorrow and poverty that Naomi and Ruth uh, found themselves in looked like a hopeless situation. But what's interesting about each one of those stories, when you look a little closer, there were, there were people in those stories, who remained hopeful. 
And, of course, there were people in those stories that did not. They faced the same circumstances. So what was the difference? Why did some of those people remain hopeful through suffering and other people did not? Because where you put your hope determines your ability to remain hopeful when life feels hopeless. If you go back to what we are reading here in verse 19 of chapter 8, he says, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day. We're, the creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who His children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give our full rights as His adopted children, including the new bodies that He has promised us. Paul tells us that all of creation is waiting for this future hope when Jesus returns and creates a new heaven and a new earth. And that creation is frustrated right now. Well, why is, why is creation frustrated right now? It's frustrated by the effects of sin. You know, creation was once perfect. When, when God created the universe, everything was perfect. There was no death, no disease, no pollution, no struggle. But then sin entered the world. When Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, sin entered the world and corrupted everything, tainted everything, polluted everything, is now broken because of sin. That's why it's such a bad idea to place our hope in anything that is connected to this world because this world's broken by sin. It's corrupted and it's tainted. You know, when you have a desire that, that you expect to be fulfilled by, by someone or something, and, and you put your confidence in that person, you put your confidence in that thing, well, that's what we call hope. And if that person that you have placed your hope in, if that thing that you have placed your hope in cannot or will not come through for us, that's when we experience this feeling of hopelessness. Now, I think that's why those of us who desperately want to maintain control over our own lives, over other people, over the world around us, I think that's why the control freaks get so frustrated in life because the world around us, the people around us, the, the situations that we find ourselves in just won't cooperate with us. They won't bend to our will. See, where you put your hope determines your ability to remain hopeful 
when life feels hopeless. And since our world is broken, since our world is corrupted by sin, if our hope is in things like our job or our money or our health or our talent or even other sinful people, really, it's only a matter of time until those broken things and those broken people will not be able to come through for us, leaving us feeling frustrated, leaving us feeling hopeless. If you go back, though, to verse 24 and 25, read this. He says, we were given this hope when we were saved, this future hope that we have in Jesus Christ to make all things new, a new heaven, a new earth, new bodies, eternity with Him. We were given this hope when we trusted Jesus as our forgiver of sin, as our Savior. We were saved, repented of our sin, and put our faith and trust in Him. That's when we received this new hope. Verse 25, but if we look forward to something that we don't yet have, we must Wait patiently and confidently. We must wait patiently and confidently. For what? For our future hope. You know, there's, there's some things that you and I can be learning while life is on pause. There's some things that we can be learning about hope while we wait for this dis- difficult season of life to end. There's some things that we can learn through this frustration. You know, frustration of this life creates in us a longing for something more than the world has to offer. You know, if everything in the world was was great and wonderful, wouldn't we we always be satisfied by the world? The the frustration that we experience in this world, it, it moves our heart to desire something beyond ourselves more than what the world can offer us. And that's a good thing. It points us, this frustration points us back to our need for God. You know, if you're wondering where we can find reliable, trustworthy, rock-solid hope, you're not going to find it in creation. That was Paul's point. You're not going to find it in creation. But you will find unshakable hope in the Creator. And Paul talks about that starting in verse 31. He says, what shall we say about such such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since He did not even uh, spare even His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, won't He also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for His own? No one. For God Himself has given us right standing with Himself. Who then will condemn us? His answer? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can you imagine that? Can you just take a moment and and, and imagine that scene in heaven That our resurrected Savior sits at the right hand of God and pleads for us, intercedes for us. Verse 35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Now listen carefully. 
to these next verses. This is so important when, it, when we uh, go through life and we have these moments, these seasons, uh, these circumstances that feel hopeless. Listen to this. Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? See, some of you have asked that question. Some of you have wrestled with that question. Some of you have have struggled to remain hopeful because you're asking this question, does God still love me? Did He ever love me? These are the things that I'm facing, and, and, and life feels hopeless to me right now. Does God love me? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble in this life? His answer in verse 37, simply put, is no. That's not what that means. Despite all of these things, despite the situation that you find yourself in, whether it's right now or a year from now, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Paul writes, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The main point is this, our only reliable source of hope in this life and the next is God and His love for us. Paul makes the point that God proved that love for us when He was willing to sacrifice His own Son on the cross for us. And what other... What what greater demonstration of love for you could there possibly be? If if we were in some kind of movie scene, let's say it was me and you and my son Elijah, the three of us, let's imagine we're in this movie scene together, one of these, these action movies where you know people are uh, they're 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 gonna fall off the edge of a cliff, they're gonna fall off the edge of this really tall building. And just as you and my son are about to fall to your death, I reach over the edge and I grab you both. And you're hanging on to this arm and my son is hanging on to this arm. And I can only hang on to one of you. I can't, I'm not strong enough to pull you both up. I'm going to have to choose and let go of one of you in order to to hang on to the other one and pull that one to safety, and the other one's not going to make it. I'm sorry, but if that was the situation, you're the one that's going to fall. I might care about you, I might love you, but I'm not going to sacrifice my own son's life for you. But if you think about it in a spiritual sense, that's what God did for us. God's love was so great for you, He was willing to sacrifice the life 
of his own son so that you could be saved, so that you could be forgiven, so that you could have this eternal hope that Paul talks about. The only reliable source of true hope in this life and the next is found in the love of God. Where you put your hope determines your ability to remain hopeful when life feels hopeless. When my dad and I were stuck alongside the road facing what, to me at the time, felt like a hopeless situation. I remember my dad, before we called anybody, just we're sitting in the truck. I was discouraged, wondering what in the world are we going to do? I remember my dad reminding me of the love of God. And so, so we took time, and before we did anything, we prayed together. and Just asked God for his help. Here's what happened next. The tow truck driver that showed up that day was a Christian. And the garage that this tow truck driver slash mechanic uh, owned was within the, the mileage uh, boundary line that AAA, uh, my, my card, my service, allowed, so I didn't have to pay for the tow truck. He treated us very fairly. He was very honest about what was wrong. In fact, the part that was needed to fix my truck that day, he didn't have. He didn't know for sure if he was even going to be able to get it, to fix our, my truck that day, and he offered, get this, he offered to have my dad and I spend the night with his family so that, so that we didn't have to uh, spend money on a hotel room or worry about what we are going to do. He was willing to take us in for the night if he couldn't get it fixed that day. That's the love of God. Working in, in ways that I would have never thought or imagined. And when I look back on that experience of God's love, it reminds me that my hope should not have been in the reliability of my truck. My hope should not have been in the dependability of AAA. My hope should not have been in the ability of a mechanic or the fidelity of my family or the capacity of my wallet or the ingenuity of my plan. My hope should have always been in the constancy of God's love. To love me, to care for me, to meet my needs when life looked hopeless. You know, hope is a lot like air. We don't think much about it until it is tested or taken from us. But right now... When life is on pause and, and we are forced to wait, we really do have an, a, an amazing opportunity to think about who or what we have been putting our hope in. So I'm just going to ask you directly, where have you been putting your hope? Have, have you been struggling to remain hopeful right now? And if you would honestly say, yeah, I really am. I am struggling to remain hopeful in my situation. 
then I just want to say this to you. Do not look at your inability to remain hopeful as a hopeless situation. You are not doomed to a life of pessimism or gloom or self-pity. Just change where you put your hope. Hope, remember, hope is when we have a desire or a need that you expect to be fulfilled or met by someone or something. And you have chosen to put your confidence in that person, in that thing, to fulfill that desire or to meet that need. And right now is a really good time for us to learn how to stop putting our hope in the things or in people that will not or cannot guarantee to come through for us because we live in a broken, corrupted world that has been tainted by sin. Right now is a really great time for us to learn how to put all of our hope in God, His love, His power, His grace, to meet our needs, to love us, and to care for us, even while we walk through difficult days. And while we wait for the play button to get pressed again, what if we took this time to really think about where we have put our hope for this life and for the next? What if, what if we took this time to really think about what does it look like to remain hopeful when life feels hopeless? I want to leave you with this passage from Titus chapter 2. Listen carefully to Titus chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 11. Paul writes this, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world, this broken world, tainted and corrupted by sin. How do we live in this world We should live in this evil world with wisdom, with righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope, while we wait for our our eternal hope, that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed, while we wait for that, what do we do? He gave His life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, to make us His very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Jesus died as a sacrificial payment for your sin. He rose from the dead, proving His victory over sin and death. He proved that He is our only hope of eternal life. Do you believe that? Are you ready to to trust Jesus Christ alone to be your only hope of eternal life? Your only hope to be able to walk through this world with victory over the, the, the corruption of sin that surrounds us, that is in us. If you are ready to take that step of faith today, if you're ready to put all of your hope in Jesus I want to encourage you to go to our website. If you click the live stream button on our website, gracefellowship.online, 
go to the, the button that says live stream at the bottom of that page. There's a button that says I'm ready. Some really great information about some next steps that you can take, that you can learn what it really means to trust Jesus Christ as your forgiver, as, as your savior. Make him the leader of your life. I encourage you to do that. And if, if, if you're listening to this and you would say, yes, I, I absolutely believe that Jesus is my only hope for this life, my only hope for eternity, then I want to ask you this tough question. Are you living in a way that reflects that you really are waiting for, for a future hope of Jesus coming back and making all things new and making all things perfect again? Are you living your life like your only hope for every need and every desire in your life is found in Jesus? Is that how you're living your life? Where you put your hope determines your ability to remain hopeful. Life feels hopeless. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much for your love, your kindness, your grace in our lives. As we read about your love that, that cannot be broken, that we can't be separated from once we're in, uh, in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's just an amazing thing to, to think about and to ponder, to meditate on the depth, the height, the breadth of your love. And Lord, I pray for my heart and for those listening today, I pray that, uh, you, would, uh, that you would help us to deeper, uh, more deeply understand your love and have faith in it on a daily basis. That our hope for the desires of our lives and the needs of our lives, that our only hope would ever be found in you, in your love and in your power grace and your wisdom to know that you really do love us, to know that you really do have an incredible plan for our lives. Help us to stop putting our hope in things that will fail. Help us to, to stop putting our hope in, in people and things that have been corrupted and tainted by sin. And instead to learn, Lord, to put all of our hope in you. Thank you teaching us how to do that day by day and how to live in such a way that reflects that we really do believe our hope is in you. I pray it in Jesus' name.